Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. I am a sucker for daughters. I got two of my own, and, and other than my wife, they're, they're like my best friends. But, but they don't live with us anymore. They've got jobs and places of their own, and, and we're super happy that they're getting to do their own thing. But there's still this part of me that, that feels incomplete without them which makes me a sucker for movies or TV shows with fathers and daughters. You know, actually, I'm famous among the people who know me for being an emotional robot, but when it comes to father-daughter stuff, I'm just a ball of mush. Here's how bad it is. So, so I'm playing this video game, and yes, I know how pathetic this is already sounding, but, but there was this short little storyline as part of this uh, of this game, and there I was, controller in hand, and tears just streaming down my face because the daughter finally recognized the dad's love for her. I'm a sucker for daughters, and it's not just on TV or in video games. Um, I'm a sucker for daughters in general. I have you have you met Kellen and Crystal's girls? Well, if you haven't, I feel sorry for you because they are. Fantastic, but it's more than that. It's that it's that I've always been a girl's dad, and and you know, daughters. The idea of a daughter just has my heart. I am a sucker for daughters, but I think Jesus must have been too. So today we're gonna be in Mark chapter five, where Jesus comes in contact with two daughters. Let's 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 read about it. Uh, Mark 5, starting in verse 21, says, when, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Can you get the scene in your head? I mean, Jesus is coming into the shore, and people uh, start gathering, just waiting for him. And by the time he steps off the boat, um, he is mobbed by a crowd. And then um, one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her that she'll be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So this is the first daughter. Jesus sees the pain and desperation in Jairus and and decides that he's going to head to his home to heal this 12-year-old little girl. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Remember your scene. Jesus had just gotten off the boat. People had mobbed him, and and he was trying to push past the crowd so he could get to this daughter of Jairus. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched him, touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Now, at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes. And the, and the disciples said, what you talking about, Jesus? Okay, maybe not, but it was, it was close. Jesus, 
There are dozens of people touching you. What do you mean, who touched my clothes? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, came and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? And overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, do not be afraid, just believe. And would you be surprised to hear that Jesus would go down to the house and wake her up? Probably not. We all know that Jesus is a healer. But these stories, they get to me for a couple of reasons. There are actually a couple of parallels between these two daughters. And the first one is just that. They're both daughters. Jesus didn't know these girls before that day. He didn't even know that the the woman was going to reach out and touch his robe. Didn't even know who had done it until she came forward. And what does he call her? Daughter. It's such an intimate name. I mean, I think about how I feel about my daughters. And that's what Jesus calls this woman. And and no matter where you came from, from, no matter what you've done, when you reach out to Jesus, you are not just some random person to him. He knows you. He sees you. He feels your worries and your anger and your insecurity. He knows what you've overcome and what you have yet to work through. He knows you. He's proud of you. He loves you. He doesn't say, hey, you. He calls you daughter. He calls you son. And so even if you don't really know what you think about him, he knows exactly what he thinks about you. He's just waiting for you to realize it, like the, like the young woman in my stupid video game finally did. But that's, that's the first parallel in these two stories. They're both daughters, but the second one is a little more complicated. You see, we like to think about these as stories where Jesus heals these two daughters, but that's not what Jesus said happened. Look at verse 34. Jesus said to her, daughter, Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Jesus said that it was her faith that had healed this woman. And when when Jesus heard that Jairus' young daughter had died, what did he say? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Those two words, faith in the first one, which is pistis in Greek, and believe, or pisteuo, are basically the same word. Faith is the noun form, and believe is the verb form, but they're essentially the same thing. We say Jesus healed them, but Jesus says it's all about their faith. I mean, look at the woman. It was almost as if Jesus healed this woman against her own will. It kind of makes me think of, pre-COVID times when, um, when people would hug me against my will. 
And if you don't know me, well, I'm not so fond of hugs. And okay, so please don't judge me for that. It's, it's just not my thing. Anyway, there are people who would hug me, even though they knew it freaked me out. That actually might be the only good thing about COVID. But when Jesus healed this woman, it wasn't something he set out to do. He didn't even know what had happened. It wasn't an act of his will that made it, was, that made it happen. It was her faith. And we, we might be tempted to say that, you know, she was healed because she touched Jesus. But there were tons of people touching Jesus. Why wasn't everybody else healed? Because she wasn't healed just because she touched Jesus. She was healed because of her faith. You see, I think a lot of us want to just brush up against Jesus. We want just enough of him to make our lives better. We want to be part of the crowd who just looks in on what's happening. We want to get a little Jesus in our lives so we come to church or we watch Church Online, we want to brush up against him so we put Christian music on the radio in the car. But there's a difference between brushing up against Jesus here and there just to get a little dose of God and grabbing onto Jesus in faith with all that we have because our lives and our eternities depend on it because they do. But I got to be honest with you all. Talking about faith like this kind of freaks me out. See, one time I was visiting a church, and it was it was kind of a more Pentecostal, charismatic kind of a church. And in the middle of church, they um, they asked if anybody needed prayer, and this little old lady stood up and asked for prayer for for her pain. And the preacher launched into this long, emotional prayer over this woman and her pain. And when he was finished, he asked her if her pain was gone. And when she said no, I kid you not, the preacher, in so many words, blamed her for not having enough faith. So when I say that talking about faith kind of freaks me out, it's because I know that people have abused the subject of faith over and over, sometimes for the sake of theatrics, sometimes um, for offerings, sometimes just for some fame, which, and all of it scares me to death. Deep down inside, I, I think it would just be easier not to believe in miracles. It'd be easy for me to just dismiss all faith healers as con men. But then, then I, I read Matthew chapter 17 where Jesus says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And I wonder, what, should I just like cut that out of my Bible? Then I better also cut out John chapter 14, verse 12, too, because Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Can I just be real with you? Both of these scriptures are, are really tough for me. They're hard to believe. I mean, when you, when you put faith into this context, it feels like a huge hill to climb because it pushes up against my belief in science. You see, I have never seen science and faith as opposing worldviews. But here, 
this is where it gets kind of hard for me because you, because the question is, do I really believe that I could tell a mountain to move? Do I really believe that I will do the same kinds of things that Jesus did and even greater things than these? And so I, I struggled with this a bit this week. And I decided to, to do a deep dive into the, the one scripture that tries to define faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Here's, here's what it says in the NIV, which is uh, what I normally read and study. Here's what it says. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. But as I, as I studied up on this verse in the Greek, I, I really think the King James does a better job with the translation. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I know they probably don't feel that different, but they, but they are because the writer of Hebrews is telling us two distinct things about faith. The first is about hope and the second is about the unseen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word substance really means the physical quality. It's like, it's like he's saying that faith is the, is the almost physical reality of hope. Faith is hope incarnate. Like when God wanted to make himself known to us, he became God incarnate, God in the flesh. Faith is hope in the flesh. It's the understanding that hope this belief that the future will be better than the present, that hope isn't any less real than the chair that you're sitting on or the phone that you're watching this on. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. But faith is also the evidence of things not seen. That word evidence is a much better translation because it's a word that's, that's associated with proof in a court of law. Uh, but we think, you know, you can't make faith something that provides proof beyond a reasonable doubt. And the writer of Hebrews says, yes, you can. Faith and science are not enemies. I love science. I'm so glad that scientists have worked tirelessly on a vaccine so I can get back to church and be with you. I believe that science is just another way that we learn more about God and his creation. Science isn't bad. It isn't wrong. It's just not complete. Science doesn't answer every question. It doesn't explain every phenomenon. And when science is baffled, we have faith that shows us the way. And the writer of Hebrews is saying that we should give a whole lot more credence to faith when it comes to how we think, because it is the evidence, the faith in you is the evidence of things not seen. So where does that leave us? If we're the kind of people who want to just brush up against Jesus so we can get our way or, or so we can get healed. Remember, Jesus left all those kinds of people behind to take care of the two daughters. Too many of us want to use faith to get what we want. You know, if I just believe hard enough, work up enough faith, then God will heal me or fix my finances or, or help my marriage. But, but that's not how faith works. 
Faith isn't a weapon. It's a foundation. Trying to build up your faith to get you what you want is like, is like borrowing money for a down payment so the bank will think you're ready to buy the house. The bank might buy it, but, but God knows our hearts. Building our faith is about laying a foundation for our lives so that we can be sure of the substance of what we hope for. And that faith can be the evidence for us that the unseen is just as real as what science can prove. Sometimes Jesus heals us in this world. Sometimes he does. And sometimes we have to wait till the next one. I mean, it sounds harsh, but it's true. There were people in that crowd that day who didn't get healed. Probably more than the two who did. Why? I, I mean, I honestly don't know. Why do some people get miraculous healing now and others suffer their entire lives? Again, I really don't know. I don't have any formula. I don't know all the rules for who gets healed and who doesn't. But I do believe that it happens. And I believe that I'm called to pray for healing. I have faith that God can and does heal and that I'm not the one who gets to tell him what to do. But here's what I do know. No matter what you need healed today, whether it's relational or physical or financial, you might get healed. You might not. But no matter what, Jesus looks you in the eye and calls you daughter. He calls you son. He loves you in ways that are sometimes inconceivable to us. He loves you enough to give up his only son on the cross to teach you about love. We think the most important thing is healing, but God knows that love outweighs everything else. Let him call you daughter. Let him call you son. Don't just brush past him and, and make a wish. Grab onto him like your life and your eternity depends on it, because it does. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.